I would like to start this virtual service by conveying our sincere condolences from the saints in Uganda, both ministers and saints, to the church in Des Moines, the Brother Goodwin family, and every one of us that had known Sister June Goodwin. Her passing on has brought really a great sorrow and loss. We are human. Each time we lose somebody, we feel a loss. Somebody you have known, somebody that has been an encouragement to you, somebody that has spoken something that has stabilized you. When they pass on, um, you really feel that loss. Um, I know she lived her life. She served God. Uh, she has a testimony not only in Des Moines, but worldwide. We all knew Sister June Goodwin. She stood by the side of Brother Lloyd L. Goodwin. They served us. They preached. They taught. They lived an exemplary life to which if God gives us grace, it's worth emulating. And I wanted to convey our condolences and uh, praying that uh, God may strengthen the church in Des Moines, the family that will certainly be missing, and uh, the rest of us that have known uh, the Goodwins, we really pray that God comforts us at this time. And to the rest of the fellowship, that their testimony will remain alive. Uh, it will be speaking to us. Though they be dead, yet what they did still lives. We are so grateful to God that he used them, kept them, sustained them. They climbed the mountains, they crossed the valleys, and we saw, they, uh, we saw God use them in a tremendous way. Many of us, I can speak for myself, we owe our position in the ministry to them. Had they had not Brother Goodwin made that journey to Africa, this message that we preach, uh, the spirit that we are being taught, I wouldn't have known. But because of him and uh, Sister June standing behind him, they were able to come to Africa. They were able to uh, preach the truth. Brother Goodwin was able to come to Africa and minister truth to us. And because of that, we have had a privilege of being in the body of Christ, finding the body of Christ. We owe our eyes being opened to them, what they did, the church they built in Des Moines. Uh, we look to Des Moines and all things pertaining the ministry. I know there is God, there is Jesus, we have the Holy Ghost. Be as it may, we still need to look to 
somebody for an example and the church in Des Moines has stood we are grateful to the church in Des Moines has taken care of Sister June and the rest of the people the saints every person that has taken care of Sister June we say thank you for doing a good job many of us were not there to lend a hand but you have ministered to her Especially, I would like to appreciate Brother Glenn Goodwin, uh, the family, and the saints in Des Moines for the job well done that our sister ended up her life in victory, and she was in church. Uh, many times when we uh, went for conversion, she was in her seat listening to the word of God, worshiping, interacting with saints, talking to saints, whether pastor's wives or, or saints, she could really encourage you. And we shall miss her, but we pray that God may comfort her. Thank you, Brother Glenn Goodwin, for the job, for the care. And may the Lord remember you, may the Lord bless you and every one of you of the family that has been so mindful and careful and the church at large and the ministers in the United States that have been an encouragement to Sister June talking to her phoning her and talking to her, encouraging her ministers in the US and Canada that have been so close to Sister June we want you to know we really appreciate I'm speaking on behalf of the saints in Uganda, we are praying that God may bless you and that God will comfort every one of us. Thank you very much. God be with you. Welcome to our Sunday service. I trust the Lord is going to bless us with his word and uh, our hearts should be open that uh, whatever we hear may go deep down in our hearts and may be helpful to us. Last Saturday we looked, we, were, we had opened this scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, Revelation 22, we can turn to, no, not Revelation 22, Revelation 2, and uh, verses 26 and uh, 27. And he that overcometh, verse 26, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. So we were saying the bride of Christ, this man-child, is going to rule the nations 
with a rod of iron. And uh, in chapter 12, still Revelation 12, verse 5, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God unto the throne. This woman brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now, this man child is caught away to God and to his throne. And one thing that I would like every one of us to note is that uh, the Holy Church is not raptured. Just the man-child is the one that is raptured. The man-child is the bride of Christ, and it is not the Holy Church that is raptured. The rest of the church has to flee into the wilderness for three and a half years. The rest of the church is to flee into the wilderness for three and a half years. In Revelation 12 and uh, verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her, they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And those are, we have already covered that, those are three and a half years. So the rest of the church will flee into the wilderness, uh, and they will stay there for three and one and a half years. So, in verse 14, Revelation 12, and verse 14. And to the woman were given two wings of great ego, that she might fly into the wilderness, into our place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. Still telling us where the church flees into the wilderness and she is taken care of. Now, the religious world really has it wrong when they say millions will be missing out of this world because they would have been they would have gone into the bride. The church world knows and they teach, many religious groups teach, that all born again Christians that will be alive by that time will go into the rapture. They get saved, when they get people saved, they tell them, you have now gotten saved, all you are waiting for is for the Lord to come for you, uh, to the Lord to take you into the rapture. So while you are waiting, just to see how well you can live here on earth, how you can be blessed here on earth, 
but as far <coughs> as you are concerned, every for, everything for you is made up. You don't have to worry, you don't have to, uh, to, to think, uh, how will I get there? Uh, you're already ready. And every born again, they think, once you are saved, you have confessed Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are saved, you are going to be in the bride of Christ. You are going to be in the rapture. You are going to be taken. That's why little knowledge is dangerous. Little knowledge is dangerous. And ignorance is destructive in every sense of the word. We need to be taught. We need to know the truth. We need to be given a proper understanding when it comes to the events of the end times because hope deferred makes the heart sick because it will be really a rude shock when you find out you have not been taken and you realize the rapture has taken place. Not every born again, not every molokole, not every person that has confessed Jesus Christ as their personal savior is really going to be in the rapture. Uh, that's why people do not bother shunning sin. They do not bother denying self. They do not bother crucifying the flesh because they know they have confessed Jesus Christ as their personal savior and all that they are waiting for is the rapture. They are just waiting for the rapture and they will be with the Lord. This world is going to be burnt up. Uh, they are ready and we, they do not bother. There is a rest to be run. There is an effort to be put in for you <clears throat> to be in the bride of Christ, for you to be in the rapture. There is an effort you must make uh, because the scripture is very clear, blessed, uh, spiritually prosperous, and holy. You, there is a holiness that you must come to for you to be in the rapture. Not just I confess Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm going to be there. I, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm going to be there. All of us are going. Every person that will be alive at that time, <clears throat> if they are saved, they are going to be in the bride of Christ. That is broad daylight dreaming. It's not that easy. It's not just confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior that takes you in the bride of Christ. It's more than that. You have to crucify the flesh. By the time you get saved, when you come to Christ, there is a lot of baggage. There is a lot of Lord that you bring to Christ, that you come to Christ with. There is a spirit of envy, spirit of jealousy, there is uh, hatred. Uh, there is a gossip. Uh, there is covetousness. Every kind of sin. We may have left the glaring sin like murder, uh, probably drinking and smoking, uh, all these glaring, but there are finer areas of sin that the Lord wants us to be eliminated in our lives. So, <clears throat> when you think <clears throat> that because you are saved, you are going to be in the rapture, 
does a wrong mind, it must be corrected. Be serious with God. And uh, if you have this privilege of listening to this, then take this seriously. Because the Bible limits the bride to 144,000. Revelation 14, 1. 144,000. This is in Revelation 14, 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. We don't even bother to have our father's name to be written, not on our forehead, in our forehead, in our mind, in our mentality, in our thinking, in our reasoning, in our intellect, in <clears throat> the Father's name to be in <clears throat> the Father's nature. So, look at that. 144,000. And do you know that most of that number has already died? 144,000. Of that number, most of the people have already died over the last 60,000 years. Can you imagine from Adam? Just even imagine from Adam up to date. Now, how many people have qualified? Don't you think it is just a small number remaining? <clears throat> and yet here we are thinking every one of us is going. Every one of us, we are going to be there. Every one of us shall be uh, in the rapture. Yet from Adam, Adam, over the last 60,000 years, how many Old Testament worthies? Then put that aside. How many the early church, the days of the apostles, how many? I mean, how many, is, how many are remaining? So, <clears throat> most of that number has already died. People that are going to be in the bride of Christ are not jokers. They don't play with Christianity. They are not one leg in the church and one leg in the world. They don't want to, to look like the world. Uh, to them, they are dead to the world. Nothing in the world appeals to them. Their aim, their food, what satisfies them is to do the will of God. We may say there are so many, and many of us see so many good things in this world. So many nice things that we can be involved in in this world. A bride member, their life is different. They live for God. They want to please God. They want to do the will of God. They want to serve God. 
they serve the children of God, they would be deprived of what they have in order to uh, give to the work of God, in order to help the children of God. They are not selfish. They are not self-centered. God works in their heart. God works in their lives where it is no longer them living, but Christ living in them. There is such a sacrifice. You can't love the world so much. You can't love to have the best in this world and yet also want the best in the spiritual things. You want the best in the kingdom of God. You want to be in the rapture. It can't work. The Bible says none can serve two masters. You please one and neglect the other. There is no way we can serve two masters and really succeed. You have to choose. Either you are going to serve God in the right way, and God's work is done in God's way. You don't do it man's way. And there is no way you can be in the bride of Christ when you are so, uh, so worldly. You dress like the world. There is no difference between you and the world. If every person looked at you, the way you dress, the way you appear before people, you are just like any other person that even has never known God. They have never uh, even got saved. Uh, uh, you, you, you are the same. Your hairstyle is the same. Your code of dress is the same. You say that doesn't matter. Uh, it's just the heart that matters. No, my brother, if the heart has been changed, if something has happened in the heart, if something has gone on in the heart, it's going to be revealed on the outside. There is no way something can happen in the heart. Something can transpire in the heart. There is no way there can be a change in the heart and it's not revealed on the outside. It's better we admit that we are going to miss the bride of Christ. It's better we admit that we shall not be in the rapture because the qualifications are too high. You can't appear. Just even just where you don't need much effort, just a code of dress, and it has defeated you. You look like the world. You appear like a worldly person. You appear like somebody in the bar. You appear like somebody in the, who has gone to, uh, to the beach. And there is no difference. And then you say, I'm going to be in the rapture. That is broad day dreaming. Broad daylight dreaming. There is no way you can be in the rapture with such an attitude, with such a spirit. Uh, there is a difference. People, children of God, are different from the children of the world. The world is different from the church. We better choose one. You either choose the world or you choose the church. If you are choosing the world, so be it. If you are choosing the church, then live like a person that is a Christian. Live like a child of God. Don't say, well, Christ doesn't really say he looks at the heart. True, he said he looks at the heart. But after the heart is clean, when the heart is clean, when something has taken place in the heart, there will be a change outward. You go to the places where even the non-believers go. Uh, you sit in your sitting room and watch movies, hours upon hours, like everybody else. Then you say you are going to be in the bride. You say you are going to be in the rapture. Aren't you deceiving yourself? Aren't you lying to yourself? You sit hours in your sitting room, in the comfort of your sitting room. Look at these worldly movies, hours upon hours. And then you say, I'm going to be in the bride of Christ. I'm just waiting. I'm going to be in the rapture. That is a lie. 
that can't be so. Not anything can be raptured. Not anybody can be raptured. It's, <clears throat> it's not possible. <clears throat> you want to, to enjoy it. What the world enjoys. What have you, <clears throat> what have you left? Christ said, uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That was a sacrifice. That's why the disciples said, Lord, we've suffered. We've, been, we've left a lot. We've left our good business. We were doing well. We were recognized in society. We were a certain class. We could have been this. We could have been the other. But because we came to follow you, because you called us, and we must uh, abide by the terms of your call, we've left all. Now, Lord, what are we going to get? says, we don't want to lose uh, the two. We have lost out in the world. We want to make sure that in the church we get something. What shall we get? Then Christ really comforted them. If you have left mother, father, brother, and sister, not that you deny them, we are not advocating for denying your relatives, but they, they are secondary. They, are not, they don't take the first place. God takes the first place. Everything else becomes secondary. So, you've left all the pleasures of the world, what people call pleasures, enjoying life, having good things of life, having a soft life, comfortable life. You've left all that. And uh, you've come to Christ. Christ said, you'll get, even in this world you'll get, but much more in the world to come. So, people do not know. Sincere children of God, living their lives, they are hoping that when the Christ comes for the bride, if they will be alive, they will be in the rapture. A very false hope. They have not crucified their lives. They have not denied self. They have not done anything for God. They have just been enjoying and having a good time. They say Christ has given them abundant life. That is quite a big false hope. So, the number that are alive and remain at the time of the rapture may be quite small. It will be small. If you did mathematics, even if you drew a probability tree, from the time of Adam up to date, what is the probability that you will be in the bride of Christ? 
you calculate if you are a mathematician, what is the probability that you will be in the bride of Christ from Adam up to the time you are now living? How devoted are you uh, comp in comparison to Old Testament saints, in comparison to the early church, in comparison to the people that are Christians in uh, our, your day today, what is the probability that you will be in the bride? And looking at the qualifications that we are given in Revelation 14.1. So even if you drew a probability tree, the probability that you will be in the bride of Christ is very, very, very small. So, it calls for seriousness, it calls for looking inward, looking at your life, the way you are living your life, um, the way you conduct yourself, the way you relate to the Father and His Son, the way you relate to the children of God. There is a lot. It's not just being saved and I have everything made. No. So, this idea that there will not be, that aeroplanes will, uh, will be, off, will go off course because there will be, the pilots will have gone if they are saved, that trains will lack a cruise because the crews were born again and so they will be gone moving vehicles without drivers and a lot of accidents. And when they are speaking, a person is so sure, a person is so convinced that he's going to be there. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. Uh, you must <clears throat> uh, be serious with God, person that is serious with God, for you to be... <clears throat> in the bride of Christ. The bride is not all of the world's Christians. Not every Christian in the world is going to be in the bride. Not every Christian born again, we keep emphasizing, is going in the rapture. Not everyone. We can move even closer. Not every not even every Christian in the true church. The true church. What do we mean when we speak about <clears throat> the true church? There is the church that Christ is intimately working with. And you say every church belongs to Christ. Yes, one scripture. I want to digress much. In Matthew 16, if you can turn to Matthew 16, um, he says, <clears throat> And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. That is the church we are talking about, the church that Christ built is the true church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
So, how did Christ build his church? During his three and one half year ministry on this earth, as he went, as he moved on this earth, he could call, come and follow me. Come. Some could be two brothers, others could be single, come and follow. He himself called the people to his church. There are those that certainly just came along, followed, just followed. But those who are just to be there, but the people that he knew, the people that he really worked with are those that he called. He went on calling one by one, sometimes the family, he called them one by one. And those are the people that built the church. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there are various ways that people come to any church. Some come to church because of the sorrows of the world. I know God can use sorrows to bring you if he's the one. But some people, because of sorrow in the world, they say, I've decided, just let me be saved. And so there are others that come to church that the devil brings to church. Uh, because there is a work that the devil wants them to do in the church. And when they come to church, they are really trouble causers. They will cause the pastor and the saints a lot of problems. They are not going to say to stay. They don't have a destination to be the kingdom of God. They have been brought by the devil. And um, they are there to do the work. They are there to send the true children of God, to perfect the true children of God. They will work on their spirits. They will work on their attitude. They will work on their mind, I tell you, until the, the two children of God are perfected. They are not interested in really being saved. Uh, they, 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 they just, they can look as though they are really sold out, but they were brought by the enemy. They were brought by the devil, and they never really make it up to the end. Along the way, after they have done what is required, and God uses them. God uses them a lot, and they never reach the destination. Then the third category, those that Christ, God himself, calls. God himself calls. <clears throat> so, you either came to the church because of the sorrow of the world, the suffering, the problems that you had, but I would like to hasten to add that uh, even God can use the sorrows, the problem you have gone through to bring you to church if he's the one. But there are those, you yourself, you saw too much suffering, too much sorrow, too much trouble, and you bring yourself to the church. And the devil, those that are brought by the devil, the devil brings them in the church. They look as though they are saints. Like it is said, sometimes uh, the tears look like wheat. Sometimes the gods look like sheep, but they are not. 
and sooner or later, uh, then you are discovered who you have always been. And there's the, the true church that we are talking about is the church that Christ himself built. And in every generation, there has been a group of people, there have been Christians, saints of God, that Christ has intimately dealt with, he has worked with, he has identified himself with in a special way. Not that he doesn't love the rest of the churches that call themselves churches, he loves, they have their work that they do, but he doesn't deal with them as uh, like he deals with the church that he himself built. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, when we speak about the true church, we are speaking about the church that Christ himself built. How do I find that church? How do I come to that church? It's not using the brain. It's not using the mind. Your acumen? No. You have to pray. God, where are your people? Where is the church that you are the head of? Where is the church that you are intimately working with? Where is the church that you have called out of the world? Where is it? If you are honest, if you are honest, and if the spirit of truth is working in you, certainly you will find that church. In your day, in whichever day you live in, there has always been God's people that is intimately working with. So, it is not even all of the true church that will be in the rapture. Even if you have found that church, even if you have founded a body of Christ in the earth, God has honored you and you have founded a body of Christ, it's not automatic that you are going to be in the rapture, that you will be in the bride of Christ. It's not automatic. You can be in the body of Christ and be so careless and be so worldly-minded and be so self-centered and uh, you are just living your own life. You don't, you are not a person that can be talked to, a person that can be guided. You're a person that lives your own life. Don't hope to be in the bride of Christ. Don't hope to be. Uh, yours probably is the final resurrection. So, the church is the woman, as we have read in Revelation 12, Revelation 12, and there appeared a great wonder, verse 1, Revelation 12, verse 1. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her, her head a crown of 12 stars, a woman. As the woman that produces the man-child. So, the bride is the man-child, like we saw in verse 5. And not all in the true church will be part of the bride. The bride 
are the first of the first fruits. It's the crop that uh, ripens or gets ready to be reaped earlier than the rest. So the bride is the first of the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. Uh, Revelation uh, 14, 4. And these are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithsoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. So, also Christ was the first of the first fruits. Christ was the first of the first fruits. If we can turn to Exodus 23 and verse 9. Exodus 23 and verse uh, 19, not 9, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seize a kid in his mother's milk. The first part is what we want, the first part of that scripture. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. The first resurrection has two phases. That's why every man in his order, how have you lived your life, will determine which phase you will come into <clears throat> if you have died by then. The first resurrection has two phases. The first, those are, it is the first of the first fruits, which takes in the bride at the secret coming. The first phase simply takes in the bride. The second phase of the first resurrection uh, takes in the rest of the first fruits. I hope you remember there is the first of the first fruits. That's, takes, that's the bride. Then there is the rest of the first fruits. The first 
of the first fruits refers to the bride of Christ that is taken in at the first phase of the first resurrection. The rest of the first fruits, they go into the second phase of the first resurrection. So the second is the rest of the first fruits, which takes those that remain at his open appearing. They come in the second phase. So the first phase, the Lord comes as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2. For ye, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. When does Christ come as a thief in the night? That is the first, first phase of the first resurrection. That is when he comes as a thief. Also, you can look at Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Um, and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. So, the day of the Lord will come as a thief. The first phase of the first resurrection is when the Lord comes as a thief. A burglar, these that really are good at breaking metals and uh, hard steel metals and they get into the house, the thieves that use force, a burglar enters silently at night and uh, he steals jewels from the place where the owner hid them. The place where the owner hid them. And they are so wise and still silly they live without being detected. Those that are experts in theft, they will come and break in their house, go where the jewels were hidden, take the jewels, and then leave the house undetected. It may be days or weeks later before someone looking for their jewels, golden ring, golden necklace, some gold, 
some precious stones that they have. When they are looking weeks or months later, they find out they found out they were stolen. A thief came in in the night and stole them. So even so, the catching away of the bride. The point is people will not detect, they will not know that Christ has caught away his bride. And people will not know. It will come secretly. The rest will be business as usual. They will be doing their work. And Christ comes in and takes his jewels undetected because he stops at cloud level. Not many people will see. He comes as a day star, as the morning star, like we saw in the last service. People will not know. So, the Lord will sleep in secretly to take away his jewels. The jewels we are talking about is the bride of Christ. To be part of the bride of Christ, like we saw, is a high calling. It's a high calling. You must sacrifice. You must really live right. You must cooperate with God where he works in your life. He eliminates a lot of chaff in your life. He really works to clean you up using the ministry. You are part of a functioning church. Like I keep saying, some people just seated doing their own thing in their home. They are not part of the church. You ask them, who is your pastor? If you have no pastor, then how will you be perfected? Yourself? God has, did not intend that he does it directly. Uh, somebody should really help you to deal with what the chaff that is inside. So Christ will come will, and uh, sleep in secretly and take his jewels. And he says here, they shall be mine in Malachi. Let's look at Malachi. Malachi. To be in the bride is a high calling. You must be a jewel, a real jewel. Malachi 3 and verse 17. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of us, in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He will spare them jewels. So these special elects are termed as the bride of Christ in the book of Revelation. These special uh, elects are termed as the bride 
of Christ in the book of Revelation. There is to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. There is to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7. He says, let, let, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. The marriage, the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. So there will be a marriage supper. There is a process to go through to qualify to be a bride member. For you to be a bride member, even just naturally, the bride is cleaned up, is prepared. They remove every spot. They try to move every wrinkle. They will clean up that lady. They will work on her, beginning from the toes up to the uh, up to the hair. They will work on her, clean her, prepare. There is a process. And do you think Christ will take as his bride just anything, just because you accepted him as your personal savior? No, sir. No, ma'am. There is a process to go through to qualify to be a bride member. Not every Christian will be in the bride. That's what we have been laboring to say. And we want to say it over and over, over and over. Not every Christian will be in the bride. Not every born again will be in the bride. Not every person that has confessed Christ as their savior will be in the bride. Not every person that has prayed the sinner's prayer will be in the bride. We shall say it over and over until it sinks that you need to do something. You need to go through a process. You need to be serious with the things of God. You need to let God guide you. You need to let God work in your life to prepare you for you to be in the bride. So, when God made a wife from Adam, he did not take the entire body, the whole body of Adam to make a wife. He took only a rib. He took only a rib. This account is in Genesis chapter 2. He did not take the entire body. He took only the rib. Genesis chapter 2 and verses 21 22. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs, not even all the ribs, one of his ribs, 
and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, that is from Adam, made he a woman and brought, he, and brought her unto the man. So while Adam slept, God took his rib for his bride. Even so, while much of, Christian, of Christianity slumbers and sleeps, like we said, a sleepy condition, spirit of, a spirit of lethargy, a lackadaisical spirit will be upon the church, members of the church, even in the body of Christ. Sleepy condition. Uh, you are not interested. You are not forward. You are not zealous. Uh, you are not a person that is uh, aggressive in the things of God. You are just uh, nominal. You are just, uh, you are just a casual Christian. Even so, while much of Christianity slumbers and sleeps, that's a sleepy condition where you are not aggressive, you are not active, you are not really busy with the things of God, you are not serious with God, but you are doing your own things. It is your own business that matters. So, do you notice that even in Matthew 25, both the foolish virgins and wise virgins in Matthew 25, they all slumbered and slept. Wise and foolish, they all slumbered and slept. But the wise had oil with their lamps in their vessels and with their lamps. They had oil. That oil was an understanding from the Old Testament, the New Testament, they had an understanding, information, knowledge that could, can help you to cope with the time. Christ cannot come upon you unawares because you will have an understanding of God's word. You will, you will have it so that when a call is made, you are ready. You know you have that information. So there are qualifications to be a member of the bride. Qualifications. And not every person who professes Christ can really meet those qualifications, can be part of the bridal company. It's hard. In Matthew 7, if we can turn to Matthew 7, you know very well, uh, not every person that says, Lord, 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 not every person. Matthew 7 and verse 21. <clears throat> Pardon me. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Who are those that say, Lord? And today, born again Christians, and today, people that have confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Who are those that say, 
Jesus is my Lord, Christ is my Lord, Jesus is my Lord. Those are saved people. Those are converted people. Those are people that have prayed the sinner's prayer. Those are born again people. They are the ones that say, Jesus is my Lord, Christ is my Lord. Then he says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of uh, the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now there is the acid test. To do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That is hard. That's where we fail. We desire to do our own will. God, why haven't you done this for me? God, why haven't you brought this to me? God, we, we desire, we want God to do for us what we want. But to say, not my will, thine be done, it's hard. Not my will, thine be done. Like Christ prayed, if it were possible, you would take away this cup. Then he hastened to add, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So, it's not easy to really be devoted to the will of God. That's why not everybody that says unto me, Lord, 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 shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many of us, Jesus is my Lord, do you know? I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. It was in the year 1911, and I've been walking with the Lord. It was in the year 1998, in the year 2007. You know, you are so happy, and I'm just waiting, and when the Christ comes, I will be in the bride. Oh my, that is wishful thinking. You will not and cannot be in the bride just because you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. So, when the Bible describes these 144,000, it states here in Revelation 14, let's look at it again. Verses 3 through 5. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song. There you are. No man could learn that song. But the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth, the Lord himself redeemed them. No man, don't think it is a literal, literal song, which probably people fail. I know even in natural, these ordinary songs, people fail, but it's not speaking about the literal song. Nobody could learn that song. And in the scriptures, we have the song of Moses, then we have the song of the Lamb. So he goes on to say, these 
were these are they which were not defiled with women. They were not contaminated with the rest of the religious uh, organizations. With organizations that don't have truth. With organizations that are just there, religious organization that are just there to make money, religious organization that are just there to get fame, religious organizations that are just there to do what the people want, uh, whatever the people want, you are the stakeholders, uh, and whatever you want, how would you like to be governed, you children of God? How do you like the pastor to govern you? How do you like the pastor to lead you? The feet don't lead the head. The feet don't lead and guide the head. It's the head that leads the, the entire body, the rest of the body, the head. So it's when instructions, that's why the kingdom of God is not democratic. The kingdom of God is a theocratic. What do we mean theocratic? God ruling. God uh, giving commands. God will not come down and say, hey, you citizens, how do you like to be governed? Make decisions. No. In the kingdom of God, you will just follow what God has to say. You will just do what God wants. We have led ourselves, we have had democracy, we have had democratic governance. Haven't we destroyed ourselves instead? Haven't we even become worse by even what we think is good? The feet have never governed the head. Theatikant, has never, even naturally, is the head that leads and guides the rest of the body. So, if I say I want to go this way, it, that decision is made in the head, it's not made in the feet. If I say I want to sit, the decision is not in the feet, it's made in the head. The head makes the decisions and it guides the rest. So they are not defiled with religious organizations that are just doing their own thing. None of them are doing a good job. They are ministering to the needs of humanity and God bless them. And God being a good God, he blesses them because they minister to his creatures, they minister to the hungry, they minister to the widows, they minister to the orphans. That's a very good job. It's biblical. Not that the true church doesn't Minister, it does, but there are people that do it on a scale probably greater than people in the body of Christ. So they do a good job, and God has called them for that, and God blesses them, and may God continue to bless them because they help humanity. But there is a group of people that God intimately works with and uses to do the will. Time is, has caught up with us 
But we are going to see more as we go into this message. Continue listening. Continue following Tuesday. Um, uh, Tuesday uh, talks from Sister Meme. Uh, she has good messages. And if you can follow Tuesday 6 o'clock, you'll find Sister Meme giving good lessons to our sisters. Um, this COVID-19 should not make us sit down. We must do the, the work of God. We must feed the people. And we should do what is required for us. Thank you for listening. And may the good Lord bless you. Amen. Oh,